Shooting Broadcast, a fascinating round in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Hello and welcome to the show. So this week, the Wild West wagon train keeps on moving with my borderline obsession with the Old West. We're talking about the Donner Party here. Now, this isn't your typical Wild West story, even though the actual events take place a little bit before the Civil War. But this one has a little bit more of a macabre twist to it. Uh, it's more of like your your Halloween horror story version of the Wild West. And it all started kind of with my fascination with it is uh, and The Shining, actually, is what introduced me to it. And as I read this book with this like a great guest this week, Michael Wallace, author, historian, uh, the book we're talking about specifically is The Best Land Under Heaven. And the really amazing part of this, not to spoil anything right off the bat, is just how average and normal this group was. And under dire circumstances, incredible misfortune um, and missed opportunities, it turns into you know a, a horror show with with the cannibalism. That's what everyone knows about, and and that's kind of the end of the story. But we're going to talk about the entire lead up because the nuances of this great American story are captivating. They're they're strange. They're weird. The synchronicities. It's just an incredible story. Michael Wallace, thank you for being on the show today. Now let's get kick this off right with the hardest question first. What do you like? Do you like Michael, Mike? Uh, are you a nickname Michael. guy? Do you have a like no, Michael? Nothing. So if you had like a, you do the Wild West. You don't have like a Wild West nickname you'd want to have, like Six Fingers Johnny. No, or, no, I, I, I don't. I, I don't have any Wild West nicknames. Oh, wow. uh, a lot of people, a lot of people, because you know I did those all the Cars movies for Pixar. Right is. Uh, you were the sheriff, right? Call me the sheriff. Yeah, <laughs> so I like you, that. If you want to refer, if you want to refer to me as the sheriff, you certainly may. I do. Uh, so this is, I mean, this is a really exciting topic. I loved your book, uh, and and I'll tell you, I'm not going to lie. I was very intimidated because it's like a 400 page book, and I started it early because I wanted to finish it. Uh, and I got to tell you, I was amazed because I was held captive by the prose, the story. Uh, almost, I was, it was a page turner for me, and that's not usually how history books go. To be perfectly honest with you, so that, it was a great job with this thing. Well, thank you. Well, apparently, certainly the critics thought so, as well as the public, because it ended up hitting five bestseller lists and oh, it's wow. not getting ready to go into a sixth printing. Holy cow! And uh, yeah, and it came out last year, and it was a, a, a big hit from the start. And, and one of the reasons why is because the early critics, the the publishing critics that review books before they even come out, Publishers Weekly and uh, Library Journal, so forth, they got it immediately that this book didn't just jump to the obvious, mm-hmm. to the cannibalism. Right. That it gives you the well, story spoiler of alert there, who Michael. these people were. You know right. who they were and where they came from and so forth, but right. but of course my main purpose, which worked too, was to show people about history repeating itself, mm-hmm. <laughs> and certainly it 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 still does. But the the folly and the arrogance really of Manifest Destiny, and these mm-hmm. were the foot soldiers of Manifest Destiny. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So. Anyway, I, I I feel good about that. These are the kind of books that I do. This is what I did with Billy the Kid, with David Crockett, with Pretty Boy Floyd, with Route 66, really. are Take subjects that are so wrapped up in myth and innuendo and outright lies and things made out of right. whole cloth and yeah. then unwrap it all uh-huh. and give you the real 
story, which is always the better story. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And, and, you know, we're talking about the Donner Party here, something I've been kind of fascinated with. I'm on this weird Wild West kick. A couple of past episodes have been on the Wild West, and I'm looking to do one on the, the railroads as well for the future. So I, I'm kind of obsessed with the Wild West right now, Sheriff. I don't know why. I, I, I can't really explain it. But the Donner Party, I first heard about the Donner Party in the movie The Shining, of all places. And this story is incredible because not only is it history repeating itself, but also there's lots of strange foreshadowing, weird little elements that um, kind of you knew where the story was going before it was going there. And once you get to the end and you look back, you see the clues and kind of the weird um, synchronicities that kind of happened, which we'll get into. But I want to start with a couple of really cool quotes from your book that I like that kind of sum it up. These are, you know, early on in the book. uh, So no spoilers here, but here's the first one. The party becomes a microcosm of the U S while busily consuming other nations, Mexico and Indian tribes, that stood in the way of westward migration, it had the potential to consume itself. This gothic tale of cannibalism draws a real parallel between individuals consuming flesh and the desire of a country to consume the continent. Now, I happen to share this point of view, but, but that's a very distinct point of view that, uh, you know, looking back that we were kind of just whatever stood, you know, the, holding a manifest destiny, that whatever stood in our way, God told us to, that this was our yeah. land. Uh, I found that yeah. fascinating about manifest destiny. I don't think I realized that part. Well, and, and is that not sheer arrogance? I oh, mean, absolutely. To think, to think if... if whoever this God almighty is that he would say, it's your destiny. It's your privilege. It's your right to consume this continent, which means conquer it, which means to cut the timber, plow the earth Mm. and, and conquer anyone who's in your way. And of course the rationale was, well, it's all open spaces out there from the Mississippi to the Pacific. So, and there's nobody out there. Well, in fact, there were people out there, of course. I mean, about a good part of that territory belonged to Mexico, all of the Southwest, all of California. Uh, and there were many, many, of course, tribal people out there. But but in, in the rationale of the day, neither Mexicans or Indians were human beings, so it was they were fair game. Right. Well, you know, and I, I've made this argument several times, but I think a lot of the in the annals of history, some of the worst tragedies are are based on some kind of religious religious doctrine, uh, oh, where, where yeah, people yeah, are absolutely. using people are using God in order to further their own desires. And essentially, you can make that argument that the government was saying, you know, God told us to do this in order to get people out there to take it over to expand themselves. Yeah. You can make that argument too. That's- um, but that's exactly you, you hit it exactly on the head. That's what I do. That's why they call me the analytical mastermind. Uh, but, 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 but it's, it's, I mean, it's just crazy. And so there's a lot of stuff that I learned about that, that you don't learn in the history books. And I want to mention, I don't mean to blast through some of the stuff, but we have so much to get into because this is such a rich story. Um, and one of the other things, I want, this is another great quote, and I think that this encapsulates not only the story of the Donner Party, but definitely w- what you did in this book. Uh, were it not for wrong turns, bad directions, and fierce winter storms, the Donner Party would have been an unremarkable wagon train. But as it happened, it became a cautionary tale of manifest destiny and an unforgettable calamity. Both of those quotes and everything we talk about are really at the core of this story. Absolutely. You, you, you hit it right on the head. That's, that's what it's all about. I'm, yes. just, I'm just quoting you. You hit it on the head. <laughs> We both hit it on the head. We're great carpenters. You did by choosing those (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, So now, as you mentioned early on, the the real key to this is knowing who these people were because I I found – it's actually – this is what's so weird about the story. I found the journey of learning who these people were so interesting because when you see the end of the story, it is that much weirder and crazier – when you realize that these were just average people, most of them immigrants, were just taking advantage of, as you mentioned, this land grab, the ability to get free land by just moving out west. They're just normal people. Um, so let's just let's do a quick summary of who's on this train uh, and what a wagon train was, which is also could be foreign to some people. Um, let's talk about who these people were. 
Well, that's a good idea. You know, first of all, it's 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 really a, a misnomer, the Donner Party. Mm-hmm. It, it actually, and some people do refer to it, uh, especially other historians, as the Donner hyphen Reed Party. Uh, and and if, if those who have read the book understand why, uh, George and Jacob Donner, the two brothers from Sagamon County, Illinois, and and that's what the party it it didn't become the Donner Party till near the end of the journey, right? Or through attrition and changes in the wagon train composition, which which continues con- constantly. It just happened to be George Donner's turn in in, in the catbird seat, right? But right, James yeah. Reed. It, to me, I'll, I'll just tell you this, James Reed, to me, is the most interesting character in the whole book, but totally we can agree. get to read in a minute. Totally but agree. the Donner Brothers, yeah, it, it, to give people a picture, I start with the nucleus of what became the Donner Party, and that starts in Springfield, Illinois, right in the center of the land of Lincoln, mm-hmm. and that rich prairie soil. And you have these two farmers, Jacob and uh, George Donner, and their families and the people who worked for them, uh, gathering up with James Reed, an Irish immigrant who struck it rich in the lead business and eventually went bankrupt, mostly due to the, the Depression of 1837, and his wife and children. And the three of them merged and farmed a, a small caravan that left Springfield crossed the Mississippi to Hannibal, Missouri, and then went directly down to Independence. And that's where everybody came to the border of now Kansas and Missouri. At that time, once you cross over into what's now Kansas, you were out of the United States. You were wow. in Indian country. Well, I want to pause so, you really quick right there because I want to go back and talk about a couple things. Yeah. Uh, oh, you, oh, you did a great job of encapsulating, way better than I thought you were going to do. That was, that was a great job. Uh, so... First of all, I'm from Illinois, so I love this story already. James Reed knew Abraham Lincoln from the Black Hawk War, which I worked on yes. that documentary when I was um, at Northern Illinois University. Yeah. So I, I actually have oh, a name in the credits yeah. on that documentary, which I just got recently because uh, I just did a story on barbed wire invented in DeKalb, Illinois. Um, go check out that episode. Yes, but here's here's a cool part. Devil's and the, rope. The devil, exactly. I mean, barbed wire is crazy. Um, but so when you... When you start talking about these weird foreshadowing, this is where we kind of encounter the first one. Because just very briefly, there was a time when George and Jacob go down to Texas to do some farming and they come back up after an unsuccessful year. But they have, um, I don't know if it's like a run-in, but there's definitely down there are the, I might get this name wrong and I apologize, but the Karankawa Indians. Karankara. Karankara Indians. And they were cannibals, which is kind of the first brush with this kind of a thing early on. Interesting. They they, they practice, there are two kinds of cannibalism. There's survival cannibalism, which of course is what Mm. the Donner Party ended up turning to. And there's ritualistic or ceremonial cannibalism. And that's what some tribal people on this continent and all around the world Mm. practice. And the Karankawas were about gone, but they were still a few around. And this is right after the War of Independence, as the Texans call it, when they grabbed Mexico and made it into a republic. And and and, the, and so the stories of the Karankawas lingered, and this just scared the bejesus out of, of out of George Donner. And <laughs> it, also, he found out that it was just horrible farming down there, and it was filled with mosquitoes and water moccasins and alligators. So he yeah. beat a path back to Springfield, <laughs> back to Sagamon County. Right, and and it's also so. So then, the flash forward. So they're 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 on this wagon train. So before we start the wagon train, I I also had no idea, and I should have. I'm a smart guy. I didn't put this together. But just how you basically uprooted your entire life and that exists on these wagon trains, on these wagons. And there's also tons of livestock that people are, are running right. out there. Right. And they've hired right. hands. So these this this is like a traveling community. It's like a small town. And the weirdest thing is it took them, when they'd finally decided to leave Springfield, it took this wagon train. Two days to get out of the city. That's how slow these things are going. 
That's right. That's insane. First of all, I just want to make that point that these things are going very slowly, which is why it took months to get there. But why did it take two days to get out of the city? <laughs> well, first of all, they were um, uh, they were ready to leave, especially the uh, quote-unquote men folk, mm-hmm. and they were eager to to get on the proverbial road. Right. But they also uh, knew they were going to miss and and maybe never see again close family and friends. Mm-hmm. So, so they got a very late start and only got as far as close to the edge of town where they camped for the night and then had a big party. <laughs> then all the people came out and they partied uh-huh. and, and until the wee hours. And, you know, everybody woke up with a big head and so forth. And, <laughs> right. and they, <laughs> they continued on. They were a little lackadaisical several times, but they, they didn't, uh, they weren't very good at time management. And then mm. of course, and I'm sure we'll get into this. That then you had people like Lansford Hastings and bad advice right, and taking right. the wrong turns. And anyway, it all added up in the long run, of course, to tragedy. Right. But but they, George and Jacob Donner were anxious to leave because they were basically gypsy footed. They were movers uh, like uh, Americans still are movers. We're always on the move. That's why mm-hmm. we have all these damn cars and we're on the highways. Yeah. We always move. We're always moving. Yeah. And at that time, of course, the frontier was moving West from the Atlantic seaboard and it had reached the mighty Mississippi. And there was the trans Mississippi West and the Donners kinfolk, they had started uh, on the coastal South and moved eastward and been in Indiana and Kentucky. And now they're farming in Illinois and where they should have stayed because they were doing quite well, but they decided they bought into the California dream mm-hmm. is what it amounted to. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they drank the, the Kool-Aid and they, we're going to go out there because we can go crops all year round and corn's 20 foot high. And it's just, it's this paradise. It's the promised land. It's the land of milk and honey. James Reed was motivated purely economical because he had lost everything, but he had this clever prairie lawyer. And so when they declared bankruptcy, this lawyer of his, they squirreled some money away. And Mm. when Reed went on that trip, he had a great deal of money with him, which paid off of course, Mm -hmm. when he got to California, because he got there before anybody else, which again, we can talk about. Yeah, No spoilers here. Keep the spoilers to a minimum, Sheriff. Yeah, no, I know, okay. I know. We want to, but but Lincoln was pretty crafty, and in fact, James Reed thought he had Lincoln talked into going, and all right. of his life mm-hmm. up until the day Booth uh, shot him, he longed to see California. Now, Mary Todd, his his wife, a very strong-willed woman, had a toddler at her side. She was pregnant with their second son. He had a, a political career in the making. And in fact, when they left, he was went into Congress, served one term, and they kicked him out because he fought Polk. He was against the Mexican War. He knew this was folly. He knew this would change the character of the nation, which it did. But he really wanted to go. So when the Donners left uh, that first day from near the old state house, near where now the great presidential library and museum is right in the heart of Springfield. Mary Todd was there amongst others to wave them off, but Lincoln made sure he was out of town and he was off riding the circuit, thinking about his friends, thinking about his old messmate from the Black Hawk War. That's crazy. And where they camp becomes the state capital. Um, Lincoln it was became the state capital. Yeah, I mean, and Lincoln uh, was almost a member of the Donner Party, which is crazy. Um, it's bizarre yeah. that Donner sounds a lot like dinner. And George Donner had two wives who died previously, and so he brought his third wife with him. Uh, these are all Tamsin. very strange coincidences. Yes, Tamson Donner, who who. Now, many people think Tankson uh, is their favorite character, and and, and she is an admirable woman in many ways. However, I do think I would have left George 
<laughs> yeah well yeah yeah um so well yeah she's great um but so the, the other thing that's kind of funny is when these wagon trains because you're going for so long and we're going to get into some of the conflicts later on but you are really you really have to choose your travel partners well i mean you know i remember being in college and people would go backpacking across europe and you're talking about you know maybe a month or two six weeks with the same person yeah. you got to choose them wisely or you're going to end up murdering one or the other but these guys are going right. on you know months long journey and there's going to be real hardships real problems you got to choose them well um or someone will end up dead well in, in fact they did and, and and some did. There was a tremendous conflict. But what you learned is this Donner Party, that composition of the so-called Donner Party changed constantly. And as I said, right, it didn't right. become officially. Because when they started in independence, what they did, these people would group up and they'd join a larger caravan. Right. And, 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 and so, so first it was Owl Russell's party, uh, this very crafty, colorful frontiersman. And, and then he thought a favor. The, the captains, the leaders of the parties would change. Uh, people would get booted out because they were too slow. Their cattle was slowing them down. There, there were ill feelings. There were jealousies. It was the human condition. Right. Absolutely. And, and not everybody was nice. You know, you had uh, uh, people like Louis Kesberg, for example, who, right. was, who was just a nasty guy. And, you know, beat his wife and robbed Indian graves and was just very disagreeable. And uh, and then you had people who were, you know, almost angelic, uh, and some of them hired hands. The thing people don't realize is back then you really had to have some wherewithal to go on this trip in the first place. You had to have the money to uh, buy yokes of oxen, to buy wagons, to equip the wagons and and uh and hire people to come with you and and uh, work as teamsters and and so forth so some of them brought servants some of them brought teamsters a lot of the young bucks the 17 18 19 year old single guys went just because of the pure adventure god let's let's go on this uh and of course they were some of the first ones to die they were the great expenders of energy and they didn't have a family unit to turn to. Mm. So that's, that's why so many women survived. Right. Uh, women outlive us anyway. Right. I mean, yeah. women are just smarter and, than, than we are. And, and, but they kept their families together. Yeah. They were like mother hens and they kept those families together. But those young guys, they didn't have a family unit, you know? Yeah, and yeah. and of course the old and the babies perished also, but but more women than men survived. It's it's crazy. That, I mean, that is a really interesting statistic. Uh, I do want to talk about one other thing. I may have busted you here, Michael Walsh. We're going to find out, but I may have found a very important flaw in your story. So okay. James James Reed had a favorite horse named uh, Glaucus, yeah. right? Glaucus. Glaucus. Now in the book you say that that he was named after. Um, named after a nobleman who was known for feeding his horses um, human flesh to make it faster until those horses eventually turned on him, right? That's the story. Right. Well, first of all, that's a really cool thread, um, one of those little subtle things I was mentioning earlier. If it was true, Michael Wallace, that's not who Glaucus was in Greek mythology. Um, Glaucus uh, was the, a fisherman who ate an herb that brought a fish back to life when he ate it, he became an immortal. Um, I believe the the horses that, that you're referring to are the mares of Thrace, who were owned by Diomedes. There were four of them. And these are actually part of Hercules' eighth labor. And Hercules ends up feeding Diomedes to the horses, uh, human flesh, in order to calm them down. What Great. do you think about uh, yeah, that? I was, I, was a, I was aware of that, but and unfortunately, I don't have my book here with all well, those well, that makes it easier for me to make my point, doesn't it? <laughs> You're yeah, defenseless. Yeah. Be- because, uh, uh, first of all, as, as you know from uh, having the book, there are immense amount. I mean, a lot of people buy books like this one just to read the end notes. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> but, crazy. Um, I, I, uh, so I can't even cite where that came from, but it, 
it certainly, you know, it didn't come from Wikipedia or something. It came from some credible source. So Mm. I don't know, but the, 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 I wanted it to be true. I wanted it to be true, Sheriff, because that would be such a great little thread in here, especially given the outcome and how important the horse was. Yes. Well, so let's, so no, we've hit independence. We've got everyone together. We're going on this trip. Let's, let's get to the, to the meat of this because I really highly recommend, um, so we could get mired. You you want to get to what of it? Well, we want to, I want to get to the, the part where it actually becomes the Donner. No, you said you want to, you said you want to get to the meat of it. Oh, I did did say, I did say that, didn't I? (laughs) Yes. Well, the Freudian slip was very appropriate. I want to get to the, to the heart of this. Um, because really I highly recommend reading the book because there's so much adventure that happens. Um, just getting up to this point. But there are a lot of things. When we get to the point where it becomes the Donner Party, there's a major split uh, where you know one team decides to go. Like you said, these are huge wagon trains. One team decides yeah. to go off to, um, uh, to Oregon, and then James and, and the Donner brothers really put their faith in a guy named Hastings, and they truly believe right. that they can save time and they want to go to California. Let's talk about that split and why they chose this guy Hastings to believe in. Uh, Lansford Hastings, uh, an attorney by trade, uh, was out in California early. And, and of course, Alta California, this, it was all part of Mexico, part of the Republic of Mexico. But but some Anglos had moved in there um, earlier and even became Mexican citizens and certainly spoke the language and so forth and were accepted. Uh, and another one was this Swiss gent named John Sutter, who people will remember, of course, from Sutter's Mill and, and a few years later, the discovery of gold there. And so, well, Sutter and Hastings were both pieces of work, believe me. Um, and and Sutter depended on Hastings and people like him to as for putting out the propaganda because he wanted to sell some of that prime land that he possessed mm. in what's now Sacramento and in right. those great fertile valleys to these pilgrims coming out. Uh, Sutter also commanded a large force of Indians. Uh, most of them Modocs, Miwok Indians that were essentially his slaves. They, I mean, he treated them as slaves and he was just a despicable person, horrible. But Hastings wrote this guidebook uh, 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 to, uh, for the immigrant trails, this immigrant's guidebook, and it became a, an instant hit, of course, mm-hmm. uh, back east. And the... There's several well-thumbed copies accompanied the Donners. The Donners and Reed both all read that book. They read some of their early reports from uh, Fremont. They they did as much research as possible, and they decided that this cutoff, which came to be known as the Hastings Cutoff, this so-called shortcut, would save them incredible amount of time. But what they didn't realize is that Hastings himself had never taken that cutoff. Unbelievable. Totally untested. And 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 they so when they got to that point after leaving the the trading post at Jim Bridger, an, uh, another remarkable figure from the annals of the American West who who did them no service because he had correspondence left behind from earlier immigrants saying. Don't tell the Donner Party not to take this shortcut. Wow. And he, he, for some reason, forgot to give those letters to James <laughs> Reed and the Donners. But they took that and ended up having to hack their own. It was just a horrible mistake. And they didn't, in fact, save any time. They did, in fact, lose an immense amount of time. And that was a major factor in their demise. Uh, it, that the trip just in itself, of course, is arduous. And they knew it wouldn't be a piece of cake, but they had no idea. I mean, they brought with them bottles of imported brandy and 
in silver sets and uh, fine china. James Reed equipped his wagon, uh, one of his big wagons, with a big double feather bed for his firm mother-in-law to sleep in. Of course, she didn't last very long even. He had a big cook stove in the wagon, vented with a chimney through the canvas. And it later, it, it wasn't at that time, but later it was often called the Prairie Palace. <laughs> yeah, it was like the uh, equivalent of glamping, essentially, back then. It was, these were like high-powered exactly. RVs in, you know, 1840s glamping. It, 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 that's exactly right. And, you know, what happened to most of that material? It, it ended up getting either cached in the high desert sands or, or just pitched out or used for kindling or you know, uh, it was just strewn as many wagon trains did up and down the trail. You could find all these things along with the human bones. Wow. So it, 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 they could be their own worst enemies. So you have, you have them fighting each other and fighting the environment and fighting nature and nature never loses, never loses. No. And it, it, it was, it was, it was a, a chore from the start, and it didn't really get any better. Well, and it's kind of it, – it's this Hastings cutoff is kind of amazing because it was essentially they were tricked into doing it. But they, but they, they were basically – credibility was given to the Hastings guidebook because, as you mentioned, they had the guidebook anyway. But credibility was given to them, and warnings were not given to them solely in an attempt to sell them land to basically trick them. That's how this whole started trick, up, right? Trick them. And then if you recall, they uh, ran into another veteran of the Black Hawk War who had been a messmate of Lincoln and Reed, Kleiman, the old yes. mountain man. Yep. And he, he sat down with James Reed one night and said, Jim, you, this is folly. Right. I know this country. Uh, do not do this. And despite that, Reed went so so then a lot of a lot of people targeted Reed and Reed himself, uh, according to you know first person reports, and really believed his own publicity. He had, he he could be fairly arrogant. He mm-hmm. was a self made man and uh, uh, a smart, very shrewd business mind, but he he could be rather overbearing and 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 then of course. When he got into a squabble with a teamster in a in an accident incident, and ended up not meaning to, but stabbing to death this young man, that's that that was a pivotal point. That's the pivotal point in that part of the story because some people wanted to hang him. You know, there there was caravan justice. There were no laws out there, but caravans would have their own rules. And some people said we should hang Reed for this, but calmer minds uh, uh, persisted and he was banished. And because of that banishment, he was sent out on Glaucus and left so consequently, he got to California a long time before they did down to uh, to Sutter's. And then he immediately began efforts to send rescue parties. Out well, no, no, no spoilers. Did. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because okay. so, so no spoilers. So he gets this is a very important part of the story. And there's a couple things yeah. I want to touch on, because th- this is how kind of this is what the, the situation was like that kind of bred th- this fight that happened. Um, you're on, like you said, there's frontier, basically frontier caravan justice. He stubbornly has decided to send them down this Hastings, um, to, towards this Hastings cutoff. Yeah. It is rough. They're hacking their own route. Um, tensions are high. People didn't, you know, people didn't really want to do that. They didn't necessarily believe him, but throughout, you know, he, as you mentioned, he, through force of will, they're going down this route. Tensions are high. Yeah. Uh, also, this other really cool thing happened, but this is also takes part of this. People are dying, and on this trek, in a two uh, within two miles and two hours, you've got a death, a birth, a wedding, and a funeral that all happen at the same time. There's lots Isn't of things that, going on. <laughs> that 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 is, you know, when I put that whole thing together i was just amazed unbelievable exactly right 
all of these incredible moments of life and death. I mean, it was all there. It was all there. I, it just an amazing. That that was amazing. It's uh, unbelievable. And and the other yeah. and the other little the other little subtle detail is because you had you know native raiders. People you know the native tribes were raiding yeah. a lot of graves. You had to roll your wagons over, especially after a funeral. Um, so that people didn't know that the ground was undisturbed. Yeah. So all after this happens within two hours, a couple hours later, there's no signs that any of this happened at all. You know, no just a tumbleweed rolls by. Yeah, everything is as yeah. it was. So everything yeah. is going on on this on this on this wagon trail. You got a guy named Johnny B. Good on the on the wagon trail. You got a Alphonse Boone. You got celebrities. Yeah. He's a, you know a descendant of Daniel Boone. You know, you got all these celebrities, yeah. all this craziness. So when tensions are running high. And I got to tell you, if I was James Reed, I understand this. So the way you lay it out in your book, this Teamster, they're going up this really steep mountain. They're lugging um, tons of wagons. They've already been doing this forever. Uh, the feelings to animal cruelty was a little bit different back then. So this Teamster starts whacking uh, one of the oxen over the head. James steps in and says, hey, man, cut that out. Uh, this is drunk history version of it, by the way, just summing it up. Hey, man, stop that. They get into a tussle. And from what I remember, um, the aggressor, the teamster, ends up hitting Margaret, James's wife. James gets into it, and then that's where he stabs him and kills him. Right. Um, so right. that's what's going on there. And as I mentioned, tensions are running high. And you talk about the split that's going on here. Well, that's because you've got people, and we didn't mention this, and I'll just briefly mention the stuff that's kind of going on. One of the guys, Louis um, Krenberg, uh, you mentioned. Kresberg. Uh, He's a jerk. He's left one of his guys because he's too old and they don't have room for him. That's yeah. caused tension. <laughs> so people are making bad decisions. So the camp is split. So when you talk about this this vote, they've got guys on one end who are saying, like, let's hang him. Then you got people who love him are saying, like, hey, let's just banish him. I still found this thing crazy because obviously they didn't have anything about self-defense in this whole thing. A oxen's been beaten. A woman's been beaten. Guy attacks him. He stabs him. And somehow he ends up in trouble. I don't like this kind of justice, Mike. Oh no, no, I I don't either. It was, it was uh, but again, and I'm not going to go any further. I'm not going to spoil it. Right. But again, it might have been the best thing that ever happened. It's totally crazy, to, <laughs> right? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. he gets banished, yeah. and then he so he has to basically just has his horse, and he goes off into the sunset, and that's where we'll leave James for right now. So he goes off now. Meanwhile. Yeah. George is elected um, the head of this party, and I be- is that right. when it becomes a Donner Party, or is it when it splits? When when is he at? When is George actually elected head of the it's, Donner it's Party? It's right about it's right about then. Okay. Actually, George George wasn't really George and Jacob were not with that part of the party at that time. They if they would have been there, they might have swayed them not even to. Oh, right, the right, right. That's right. But yep. Any, anyway, but that's know, important. That's and, very that was important. The other thing. That was the other thing. Splitting up is never good because then you, you know, uh, as we used to say in the Marine Corps, you go as fast as your slowest man. And, <laughs> right. and, 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 and then, so, so then they have this joyous time, which they'd have occasionally after they, after they uh, overcame some major physical obstacle then they'd say they'd camp and they'd find a wonderful stream or something. And they'd say, Oh, let's stay another night, you know? Uh. And, and, and too much of that went on. So finally, when they got into right on the borderlands of what's now Nevada and what's now California and the, and what's called the trucking meadows and set up this big camp, they, Oh God, they just, there was this collective sigh of relief and they stayed for a while. And that's when there was an accidental shooting death. And then mm-hmm. they had to do the funeral there. Right. Anyway, long story short, they missed getting over the Sierras by really just days. Right. And that big winter hit. And it was one of the worst ever in the 
history of the Sierras, and winters can be tough there. This last well, one. Well, let me back you up a little bit. Let me back you a little bit because before they get to the Sierras, their their troubles begin. You know, with you're talking about a timeline. You're kind of giving hinting for a ticking yeah. time clock. When they split, it's July 20th, which is what three months after they've started. Uh, so in the middle of July, yeah. they missed Independence Rock. Supposed to hit that by July 4th. They missed that by I think a week. So they're already behind schedule. They're trying to get save yeah. time on this Hastings cutoff. They're losing time. Plus, you know, they were supposed to meet. Hastings was was supposed to meet them and guide them, and he didn't. Yeah. I don't really understand how they're if they're following him because he's supposed to be with another group. They go and convince him to come back. There's all this drama with Hastings, yeah. so they actually do meet him. He's with this other group. They're they're on a stretch. So as you mentioned, it's supposed to be shorter. It wasn't. They're on a stretch of 83 miles of desert. And as I mentioned, they're going 15 to 20 miles a day. That's four to five days without water. You know, some people can't make a stretch on the I-5 going up to Sacramento from L.A. There's a 70-mile stretch without gas, and people end up, you know, running their cars out of fuel. So you can imagine five days without water for all this livestock. People are oh, just yeah, kicking was, off, like, yeah. left and right before they get to the mountains. Yes. Oh, yeah. Before. Yeah, long before. It, they, um, uh, I mean, every, every day was i mean just every day was a challenge i just often wonder what it was i'll tell you what i what i think about i think about when i was doing uh, a lot of field research on this book and of course i was up and down mm. up and down the 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 donner uh, party's path and i already knew it fairly well because uh, long ago i did a book on the lincoln highway and the Lincoln Highway, the western part of the Lincoln Highway, especially from Nebraska on to San Francisco, on to the Golden Gate, uh, is largely uh, the old Oregon-California Trail. Oh, interesting. Along the Platte River all the way out. So I already knew that whole path very well. I mean, I had been to Truckee many times, been through Donner Pass many times, uh, you know, spent time in all those towns over on the other side, of, on the west side, through whatever anyway but um uh what what they what they what they didn't do and they did some pre-planning and so forth but they didn't listen especially to what i would call the sages the sage mm -hmm. advice of people like climate right and uh and and that's what they needed they just because it's in print doesn't mean it's true. Of right. course, of course. So, you know, and, and by the way, speaking of that, Lansford Hastings went on, uh, they would have hanged Hastings if they would have caught him, but, but he went on, uh, to write, uh, right after the civil war, an immigrant's guide to Brazil, for disenfranchised <laughs> Confederates, Jeez. who who many of them did go down to Brazil, uh -huh. there's still remnants of that colony down in Brazil today. Interesting, you know, that's so he, crazy. He kept going. Yeah, well, he's 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 charting uncharted land for people who have never been there. So how can you can't be wrong? <laughs> right? You have to be there to prove yeah. him wrong. And if you once you go, yeah. then you're already dead. So <laughs> he already has the money from the books. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this this guy's a crazy character. And I should mention the fight takes. So the fight that where 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 James leaves the party ends up. That's October fourth. Um, you know, and and in between all that, they've had all their horses stolen every single day. They're losing things, and I think they were supposed to. The Hastings cutoff was supposed to last, correct me if I'm wrong, two weeks, and they end up spending yeah. 68 days on the Hastings Trail. 68 days. That's two and a half yeah. months almost. Well, and yeah, and they were running into Paiute Indians, and, and they were sniping, shooting cattle and, and, right, right. and uh, stock, and yeah, and it just, the, just a lot of attrition all all the way out. You know, they were, it, it was bare bones by the time they got to Truckee Meadows. Yeah. And, and that, and that, then they hit the Sierra, the, the Sierra mountains. So they, so they're, they're arriving late. The winter has arrived a month early. And I think if I remember correctly, this is one of the worst winters that's on record. Um, and there's 10 blizzards in like two weeks or something like that. Is is that exaggeration? Uh, uh, well, there weren't 10. There, there were, 
there were four major, major blizzards, but lots of, uh, of other storms, uh, of other big snowstorms. It, it was one of the worst. You know, the, the snow was 20 feet high. It was, uh, it, it was incredible, and it just kept coming. It just kept coming. So, you know, so I, if you want to talk about this, they did finally pull it together down in the meadows and start to make an ascent, but they didn't get very far before they were totally blocked. And, and that's when they uh, ultimately set up two separate camps because the Donners in their little group, the Donner brothers and their uh, teamsters and such had had already stopped and uh and george had injured himself and i was so they were marooned and then uh, uh a, a distance away they they set up the the um, a main camp and and started to immediately they had to build shelters they built these little uh, described as shanties these little makeshift cabins and and, and but they still thought they were Midwesterners, so they thought, well, we're used to snow. They were heavy snows uh, uh, that they had experienced, you know, as, as young men and women, uh, and they knew that snow comes and, and then it melts. But this snow doesn't; it, it comes, but it stays, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and they weren't counting on that. And 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 what was then Truckee Lake, uh, uh, which became now is Donner Lake, and and I don't know if you've ever been to Donner. It's a beautiful I place. I it's just gorgeous up there. Um, it, it was totally frozen over. People are always saying, "Well, why didn't they do this? Or why did they do that? Or uh, you know, why didn't they fish? Well, they couldn't fish." I mean, uh, the, the lake was frozen solid. Um, the Indians had already fished, and they, some, a lot of those indigenous people there, Miwoks and so forth, but they knew how to live in the winter. They had caches of food and, and acorns and everything else. And in fact, at first, they would come up, scouts would come up and see these marooned white people and they even tried to bring them some game and throw up dead rabbits to them and so forth and and the immigrants uh were frightened of them and they said well they've probably poisoned that stuff and and the the last group that came and peeked at them was after cannibalism had started and once they caught a, a whiff of that they said these are crazy mothers yeah they're <laughs> that's a quote that's verbatim that's what they said right <laughs> a descendant of samuel jackson was in that group um yeah. it's 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 crazy so they, they get up there and i think when when you realize the conditions that are going on there they did everything that they th that they knew how to do and again yeah. you this as i mentioned before it's important to know that ev along this every step of the way this was harder and more difficult every day than they thought by the time they get into the mountains they have nothing but basically a couple of dead livestock um and, and some of these shanty towns that they've built and they're there for like four months or something i think it's from yeah, october it, yeah. through like so april, april. Right? Yeah. Six months almost. They're, they're there. They're there. And um, so at first, they try to make the best of it. Obviously, what else can you do? So there are different forays that go out. There are different attempts to send parties out. And one large one, uh, principally, which we can talk about even separately, because that's the party where cannibalism first began. It became known as the Forlorn Hope. But back in the camps, they, of course, it killed any remaining um, livestock, it ate the horse meat, the oxen. They picked the marrow out of the bones. Then they began boiling the hides, and it makes us just, it must be, it must have just been awful, this gelatinous gunk that 
yeah, I, they could extract some protein from, and yeah. they would drink all of that until the hides just literally, I mean, until they disintegrated. Yeah, they caught uh, in these little uh, hovels. They they catch field mice and eat them, uh, and then one of the saddest parts of the books. Here you have all these people dying, but of course no, I know. I know what beings, you're going to say. I know what you're going to uh, say, Sheriff. When, <laughs> yeah, they're 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 killing and eating all their dogs and oh, their pets. Margaret when, with when, cash. Maybe I I tear, man. I teared up. Oh well, you can imagine taking oh. that, her beloved dog. Oh God! And he's looking up at her, and oh, you know, stop and it! She cuts his throat, and, uh, <laughs> stop and it. they ate it, it, as oh. as. Um, one of the girls said, we ate all of Cash. We even ate his paws. Ay, ay, ay. God. Uh, then, so, so here's what happens to me. Uh, I'm on this big book tour, and wherever I go, you know, and it's going well, but some people would come up to me and say, oh, God, I, I know this is a good book. I don't know if I can read it. It's cannibals and so forth. And, and and uh, so I would always do this. I'd, I'd take a moment and say, well, let me ask you something here. You know, they'd get very squeamish. I'd say, um, let's say you and your children are trapped in, in the Sierras and, and you're in 20 feet of snow and you have absolutely nothing left to eat because you've eaten. And I go through the whole thing, the gelatinous gunk, the right, mice, right. the dog, the whole stick, and, yeah. and now you're at the point <laughs> because you are, are experiencing hypothermia and you're starving to death and you are becoming delirious. Now, just to use your teeth, just you, you are chewing on ponderosa bark and on pine cones and, and you're seeing that your children are about to die and you are about to die. So what do you do? You think in those banks of snow are stores of protein. And what I would do is I would pull out my knife and I would save my children and myself. What would you do? Mm -hmm. And you know, that's, the question. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, there are a lot of questions in this book like that. Totally. And and, and, and it's a book as as I write. Of, it's a book of uh, what if or if only. You know, that's all throughout the book. If only we had. You know, and uh, now, in the course of writing this book, researching this book, I became very well acquainted with a good number of Donner Party descendants, not just the Donner families, but other descendants, the Breens and many others. And I will tell you this, two of one, the ones that I talked to said they should have started the cannibalism much, much sooner mm -hmm. because more would have lived. Right. Uh, and, and by the way, these these descendants are just remarkable people who who understand and know their place in history as uh, through their kin uh, that's their legacy and they don't pull any punches the, but there are some that just still will never talk about it uh, just as some of the survivors never talked about it again others did others wrote about it you know uh, at the at the at very end when there were just uh, a few of the old women left up to the, into the early 1930s and the 20s and so forth. Some of those Donner sisters, grandmothers now, when they were teaching the Donner party in public schools in that area, they would come in and sit in the back of the classroom to oh, make wow. the, sure the teacher got it right. <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, and, and as you mentioned in the book, which I thought was really crazy, is a lot of those women, uh, the ones who survived, kept food on them at all times, little biscuits, crackers, cookies. Um, I mean, it, that's, that's a, that means it affected you pretty profoundly. Well, you know, when, when I was out on 
and tour and giving talks and so forth, and I did readings, I always saved that reading of that two-page prologue to last, to the mm-hmm. last and read that, yeah. where it ends with, uh, with them uh, at the memorial. It took me a huge amount of time to reconstruct that whole thing but I got it right. I, it was very, very difficult, but I, I, everything in there happened. It was just great. And, and, and I thought that was the, the great way to begin the book. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right. So before we finish this story, we got, now we got to get back to James Reed because he, let's, let's finish off his story and I want you to end the story with how uh, Lewis Craigsburg, the one who beats the horses and who leaves the guy behind, how he ends up. Because these two, we've got to wrap up their two storylines because they're crucial to this whole thing. Well, uh, so I'll start with Reed, of course. So Reed, Reed gets into California and at Sutter's and he meets with other people there, including other immigrants and uh, leaders. And and some military personnel because the Mexican War has broken out while they're there. James Polk's uh, war, and so uh, he's trying to uh, assemble uh, rescue teams right away. And and in fact, he and another survivor uh, that had that the party had sent in uh, much earlier because they knew they were running out of food. Uh, he was there and couldn't get back. So they tried to get back the two of them and they were repelled and all of that whole incredible experience. But then he was actually more or less conscripted into, he had to, to serve in the, um, in the local militia, uh, the American forces Mm -hmm. and, uh, lead uh, a pack of dragoons of cavalrymen. And including in, in a couple of skirmishes, so he, he had to go off doing that. But while he's doing that, he's discovering new places as well. And the other thing he's doing, and this is the the the, the smart James Reed, he's got some of that cash with him, of course, right, that right. Lincoln made sure he had. So he's buying land, <laughs> and he's buying. <laughs> If if you go to San Jose today, San Jose is, of course, now one of the largest cities in the state. The downtown streets are named for the Reed children. He 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 really had the luck of the Irish uh, because he survived all that. And his motto, by the way, was always the same. And this this appears in so many diaries and so forth. He would always say, "Persevere." Mm-hmm. persevere and that's what drove him and and so then finally they were able to and and this takes a, a, a lot of time and, and and i'm just kind of glossing over it but then a series of rescue parties were put together yeah. uh, they called them relief parties and it it took four different relief parties to go back through fight their way through there and pick out uh uh, survivors they could only take so many and the last rescue party uh went in in april and there was only one person left tamson donner george donner had died tamson donner died and the last one left the lone survivor was this joseph kesberg this uh, german fellow who could be quite disagreeable who uh, uh he lost both of his children and uh, and this uh, in this whole experience uh, his wife survived and and then he of course survived but but he became the whipping boy for all of them um, and uh, in in a way some people think he richly deserved it but they actually piled on on Kisberg uh, Kisberg was was not the human devil that he was made out to be and he was made out to be a, a human cannibal devil uh, taking great relish and killing children and eating them and and uh preferring the taste of human flesh to you know uh, <laughs> right. the other stuff and and i mean they really and so all this yellow journalism and stuff and and, and the reason that 
a lot of that happened is because of the establishment of the day in California, all the way back to Washington. They considered the Donner Party failures as soldiers of manifest destiny. And why? Because they failed to complete the mission successfully. They didn't conquer the land. They didn't conquer everything. And and so they were a poor example. So they really piled on to them, especially in the press. And, and of course, had greatly, uh, I mean, I mean, Trump talks about fake news, which, of course, is ridiculous. Then it really was crazy news. I mean, right. they would just make stuff up about people. They would you know, make up <laughs> yeah. quotes about people for people. <laughs> right. So yeah. Port Hesburgh, who survived, and his wife, they even had more children, and those children turned out to be poorly. And um, Hesburgh even uh, uh tried to start a little brewery and restaurant of all things, a human cannibal as they pegged him, you know, serving food. Um, anyway, he ultimately died penniless and alone and forlorn. But fortunately, uh, a, a couple of writers, including one named McClasson got a hold of him and, and uh, of some of the Donner, women survivors, the daughters, and uh, really kind of salvaged Kesberg's reputation and, 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 and wrote about um, this whole uh, exaggeration of him. Um, so, so that begs the question uh, that I'm asked, were there heroes or were there villains? And, and um, I, you know, and you can take your pick. If you wish, you can say, yes, Lansford Hastings was a villain or John Sutter, or you can even call James Reed a hero or a villain or both. But the point is, I, I never like to put labels on people from history like that. And the way I explain it, is I use the uh, a kind of a, a cowboy hat uh, analogy. And I do this if talking about people like Wyatt Earp, or I'm writing a book now about Bell Starr, or Hickok, or Jesse James, any of these figures, Billy the Kid. There were a few black hats, and there were a few white hats. Mm-hmm but there were lots and lots of gray hats. Mm-hmm. And that's what you had here. You had gray hats. They were human beings. It was the human condition, right. you know? Um, so for some, the story ended very well and they went on to lead incredibly productive lives. For others, they were maimed both physically, they lost digits and limbs, and were horribly, you know, stricken physically, and many mentally, you know. Uh, uh, But a lot of those children, those younger girls and boys who survived, they thought they were eating jerky. I mean, they would cut this flesh up and and roasted, and it was like pieces of jerky. They didn't know what they were eating. They knew they were just getting nourishment, and 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 so they uh, they they were the ultimate survivors. And and now we have to this day uh, direct descendants of the Donner Party, and who occasionally get together, and 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 they've been known to sometimes even get in the squabbles with old family memories. <clears throat> but they also have great senses of humor. Uh, uh, Bill Springer, who gave me a great blurb on uh, the back of my book, he, he's sort of a captain of these Donners, of the Donner party, the Donner family descendants. Great guy. Uh, uh, he would say when he introduced me to some other uh, descendants. He said, now be careful of this guy. He'll talk your leg off. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. And yeah. and I must tell you this, to okay. this very, very day, 
in Sagamon County, Illinois. There are donors farming that land, that same land. And and people ask me about the title of the book. And there's a chapter in there very early on called The Best Land Under Heaven. And if people don't pick up on it early on, they might think the best land under heaven is, oh, that must be California. Well, it's not. The best land under heaven is Illinois. And that's a line from a 19th century poem about Illinois, the best land under heaven. That's well, where they I, should I, have stayed. I couldn't agree with you more on that quote. And, you know, the, this, the story is amazing because you got James Reed. He goes off. And when he comes back, you know, he leads, I think, two of the rescue attempts. They, um, you know, he ends up, his family, no one dies. He rescues all no of one them. Died. None of them eat human flesh, which is crazy to me. Yep. Um, and they go off. And after the fourth relief, you know, and, and in the book, it's kind of crazy. It, it is like a murder scene. Like, it's like a horror yep. movie when they go back. Yep, and uh, Kresberg, you know, has, has been accused of killing young George Donner, um, George Donner's yep. son. Uh, it, it is crazy. I mean, and, and we didn't even get into all of the because there were people inside the camps were trying to go out and, and find rescue. People were trying to get to them. I mean, tons of the, all this stuff's going on, but you said you're going to have time to stick around. So we're, we're going to talk about Forlorn Hope, which is kind of where the seed of cannibalism even starts. That's its own little thing. Um, but this is an incredibly nuanced story. It's in the annals of history. It's one of those rare mysteries, and you encapsulate it great in the book. I'll have links to uh, the book on, on my website. So how can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more um, about you or the book or what you're doing? Well, I'm I'm certainly on Facebook. I mean, I'm, I'm a public figure. Facebook, you can find me there. Uh, if if uh, uh, my website, which is incredibly uh, uh, out of date, uh, I'm delinquent there. I, I didn't I didn't want to so, say anything, but it is a little out of date. It's okay. Oh yeah, I just don't <laughs> mend, mend to that. But it's. Uh, 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 Michael Wallace, W A L L I S, Michael Wallace uh, dot com. But I, I'm uh, very active on social media. Well, I'll have links to all that stuff. And of course, if you didn't get enough of your silky smooth voice, you can listen, watch Cars. I think there's three Cars <laughs> movies out. You're the sheriff, aka the sheriff, and all of them. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been absolutely enlightening. Well, it's been a hoot. And it's been good for me. It's always good to, you know, you never, these books, and I'm working on my 20th now, they're like my children. So um, uh, each one is special, and um, I, I live with all of them. Yeah, this is a good one. I encourage everyone to read it. I'll have a link on the website. Um, so thank you, Michael, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. Go to the newly redesigned FascinatingNouns.com website to learn more about this episode as well as to listen to all the others. You can even sign up for a newsletter to find updates, behind-the-scenes looks, or at the bottom of the page, if you like that idea, you can follow the show on social media. You'll find links to the show's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages all at the bottom of the Fascinating Nouns webpage. And if you like this podcast, you'll love the other one that I do, my new fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies, where I take a panel of experts and analyze your favorite pop culture technologies, telling you exactly how you can make these fictional phenomenon a reality. We talk about the everlasting gobstopper, Frankenstein's monster, and even the T-1000 F triple G B T dot com is where you can find it. Uh, you're going to love it. And if you like that stuff, you're going to love everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out everything that I'm, I've got cooking, what I got going on there. Thank you for listening. End of transmission.